Welcome to Dissident Disco. I'm your host, Lucy Aitken-Reed, and I am chatting with unschoolers and other radicals from across the globe. Together, we are putting the disco into disconnecting from the system. Okay, let me introduce uh, my friend, Sophie Christophe, who is a self-directed mama extraordinaire. Um... Really, it's your life, right? In a way, you yeah. have spent so much of your uh, life so far, not only unschooling with your kids, but also developing spaces. So, creating the cabin and the lodge so that there can be this collective experience of self directed learning. You're also on the board of the Alliance of Self Directed Education. No, the other one. <laughs> Oh, uh, <laughs> as I was saying it, I was like, no, Lucy, that is oh. not right. <laughs> oh my god. It's actually, what is it? The it's British? nothing. What? No, not on anything anymore. Uh, maybe I need to catch you up, dude. Like Okay, catch um, me up. Actually, can you just do your yeah. own introduction? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna do it myself. Okay. At the moment. I'm running the cabin and the lodge. Yeah. And I am doing consultancy and one-to-one work with startup folk, like new settings that want to be consent-based, basically. And um, so that's like teams, individuals, some folk also who just want that in their life. So they're not actually like necessarily going to be facilitating in a setting, but they want a consent-based life. So yeah, so I'm doing like over the last year, I've been doing more of that. Um, mm. this kind of more one-to-one or small group focused consultancy kind of stuff, and that alongside the settings um has been my focus. And I suppose also like practice sharing. So we've done like training workshops and stuff for other people that want to develop their meeting practice or their conflict mm-hmm. stuff or risk stuff, you know, all the kind of hotspots. Yeah, that's actually really amazing because that prompts me to share what I think is um, one of your major contributions to the dialogue about self-directed learning and unschooling is the phrase consent-based learning or consent-based education. I use it all the time. I think it it really sums up a lot about what we're actually trying to do here. It's not, um, you know child-led it's not um self-motivated like you know you can have adults offering things and you can have adults um you know sharing their skills sharing their passions you can even have teachers but the distinction is that it is consent-based the child is opting in to do it and there is no sense of domination over the child's mind and body and I think that is uh one of your really big uh, significant contributions what do you reckon do you feel like a legend (laughs) (laughs) I do love it I mean I think oh god I mean this is an interesting like specific thing to talk about right now because I've had a few experiences in the last week really around my role in that um practice and term even and um yeah it is really meaningful to me and I think like important generally for people that have decided they don't want school like they don't want power over but then what next and usually there's this swing to the opposite and I think that increasingly for me self-direction is ethically problematic because the idea of everyone just being like self-directed regardless of the impact of other people regardless of what that looks like in relationship is like awful like honestly you know it's like well oh I just did it because it's I'm self-directed and that's why and now it's okay for me to do whatever I want and like no one's gonna have power over me I'm just gonna like living my true life means me just being self-directed all over the place and that like is not less harmful than patriarchy or any other kind of power like issue right that's my opinion anyway and so for me consent like more and more as more people like want out of the old ways 
just it's like so important to be like yes and like yes self-direction and consent like Mm -hmm. self-direction without consent just is another round of bad times bad times love it I'm so with you and also it prompted me to feel like um you know for some kids self-direction is actually really hard especially if they've come out of an institution and into something else and I get so many messages from people um, being like my child doesn't have any motivation they don't want to do anything and so the feeling that um, a child can just instantly wake up one day after being you know three years in school and then suddenly have all these interests and be like highly motivated to get up and uh, produce all these beautiful projects um, completely on their own steam is misleading I think um, and can kind of contribute maybe to the idea that if your child doesn't do that, if they're not super highly motivated, that they're a bit broken or you're doing something really wrong or, um, yeah, this whole self-directed thing just um, can kind of lead people a bit astray, you know. And so often I'm just gently like, you could offer some things, <laughs> you know, you could plan something and see if they want to join in and, and come along, you know. Um, it's not about just going, okay, go for it, guys. Oh, you don't want to do anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And some kids are going to be naturally entrepreneurial and they're going to be very driven, you know, to get on with their path. And that's great. But I think it's true. Like, you know, out of the out of humans, what proportion of humans are entrepreneurially driven, and what proportion are more following in their energy and in their way they like look to others? And you know that it's kind of like the diffusion of innovation curve is helpful on that because they like are looking for the innovators to then be like, oh, that's cool, I'll try doing that, and then it kind of flows through the group, right? But yeah, it, I mean, I think it's that thing again. It's like oh, I don't want to tell you what to do. And so in order to make this pure, I'm going to take away all of my influence and create this like blank canvas and just see what happens on the blank canvas. And actually creating in a void or on a blank canvas is really difficult or can be difficult without any frame or invitation um, or kind of like prompt, you know, like um, provocation. Um, so yeah, I think, but that's part of people's de-schooling, isn't it? It's kind of like, oh god I'm scared of my potential power and influence I'm not going to use it to make it safer and you takes time to move into that space of personal agency yourself like as a parent to then understand how to be in your power boldly and like as yourself in a way that feels authentic and to be able to then be in relationship with other people who you are you know encouraging also to be in that for themselves um but it's so messed up, isn't it, just by our wider societal experience, basically, that like that's one of the biggest griefs for me in this work is having the vision of how things could be, you know, walking that as much as I can in my own life. So I have a lived experience of it. And then just like looking around, being around myself and just being like, wow, like it doesn't actually like it's not enough because the impact of uh everyone's childhoods and society and their fears and everything else just creates so many limiting factors that then means that you kind of get this in-between thing that is a bit stressful <laughs> to be honest at times. A little. <laughs> I have a, yeah. a good example of that like for quite a few years you know I was very much like abolish the school system let's get rid of it and let's uh give people you know, adults, perhaps even ex-teachers, a little bit of training about how to hold consent-based space and, you know, um, just let the children be free and then choose to opt into this workshop and that workshop. And, um, you know, I really had quite a strong sensation that that would be really, really great and fantastic for everyone. And then um, one school holidays, when all the kids were free and roaming around town, um, the message board on Facebook for our local community blew up with everyone's um, annoyances about all these kids and teenagers and all the trouble that they were getting up to around town because they weren't in school. And it just made me realize that until we have got supportive beliefs about children and teenagers, and who they are, and um, our respect for them, 
and our sense that they are um, worthy of dignity, um, we're not actually able to set masses of children and teenagers free. It will be harmful for them because the community doesn't know how to love and respect them outside of a context of a context of school where they're not loved and respected either. Um, but it would, I, I kind of got the feeling that it could really be like a dominoes effect for these kids not feeling held and loved and respected and and actually it would be really a shockingly bad move to <laughs> take away the one thing they have that might be kind of at least um holding them and, and sort of protecting them from the collective angst the adultism that so many people in the community have um towards kids the young people and and what they should be doing and the judgment and the the feeling that they're always going to be getting up to trouble and expecting that and then uh lo and behold that is what happens <laughs> yeah and so I was like man we need some kind of in between there's going to be a long period of of in between that was the, that's the feeling yeah. I have now it's a political issue isn't it because obviously if you put people like like what are the options on the street do you know what I mean like it's at least in the UK it's so under resourced mm -hmm. for there to be spaces opportunities relationships for young people to get involved in I mean not just young people right like people in, <laughs> it's just not a, fo a political focus to try and create nurturing community so you know you're kind of again it's like it kind of goes both ways doesn't it like young if when people are out if they have time to make their own choices about what they do well what is the option available to them like the option available to them is not great and so then what do people do will they make the best of it but like that might not look great it you know it might lead to like choices it would be like oh like not ideal but it's a res it's reflective of the fact that we're so under provided for and resourced in community and in like you know out and about it's just like the civic spaces aren't designed to accommodate all those young people that's why home educators love it in term time because it actually feels spacious and the rest of the time just feels overwhelmed or like you know because we're just not none of the design is there so I think you're right it's like there has to be this hand-in-hand -hand process of political reprioritization that respects young people as people worth including in design and then you know what does that look like as it plays yeah. out in policy or, it's a monumental shift required it's like you know the internal beliefs um need to uh shift and yeah the and then that needs to affect the um the spaces that we have and the resources that we make available it's really quite gigantic work we're involved in <laughs> and uh, you know that's also why I just think the only thing I can really do is uh, what is in front of me every day and not be like overwhelmed by the huge kind of um, needs and the huge kind of shifts that are required, but just show up every day, every damn day, <laughs> you know, to my own kids and our little community things that we've got going on, you know, and just show up to those and really believing that they are actually in some way contributing to the gigantic shifts that need to happen. Yeah, definitely. It starts like that. That's the only space, isn't it? Really, it's like literally our own bodies, our own inner systems, thoughts and beliefs and ways of being. And then that amongst the folk in our nearest <laughs> space of influence, really. But I think that the other thing about consent that is helpful alongside self-direction or team to self-direction is that it really does require a commitment to integrity like self-direction it's like you know I think the idea is be you know be and for me as well like I value self-direction it's so crucial like you tune into yourself you're trying to connect your most authentic expression right and live forward from that place um but the consent thing me does like put an extra demand on us to like be have integrity in our actions and the reason for that is because if you are not doing that, then you can't be in consensual relationship because what you look like isn't what you are. Do you see what I mean? So, and consent requires an informed choice. So uh, again, like for me, this is part of this whole shift to like 
if I'm going to be self-directed and it's going to be ethical, so it's going to be consensual, like how is my integrity, like how much of what I say and is on the outside is matches the inside? Like, is that true in all places? How much shape-shifting is going on? How much, you know, how honest am I being in my life and with myself? And like, again, like that for me is a very hot topic at the moment because I kind of thought that if people make the transition out of the dominant paradigm, patriarchy is just full of m manipulation and lies and like lack of transparency and lack of um, integrity. I assumed that people would like themselves find that integrity was part of like moving into integrity was part of that transition. But again, like I'm not sure like if that is where people end up you know that like oh oh yeah like for this to work I have to be aligned like I need to be in my integrity I don't know what do you think about that I think that this is such the perfect segue into what I really wanted to talk to you about <laughs> <laughs> um so when I was lying in bed this morning slowly waking up um I was remembering our first meeting uh together when we first got to know each other when we were both pregnant with our second baby so it would have been 11 years ago now I think and and we've both been unschooling that entire time so we have you know like almost a quarter of a decade of unschooling between us which <laughs> pretty much makes us like crones I feel unschooling crones <laughs> and um it's interesting because obviously we didn't really know we were gonna do unschooling then well I, I certainly didn't I think that both of us that meeting was about um child rights essentially with uh, Penny Brownlee it was really monumental for me that um little gathering in Claire's lounge uh meeting you and then we kind of went our separate ways but I feel like we have yeah always kind of been tapped into a source that has pro prompted really similar vibes and like whenever we check in we're like oh, I'm kind of thinking about that too and we sort of end up doing really sort of adjacent um thought processes and uh, things like that and I just find that like a really beautiful part of our our friendship and so I was very very interested to see that you are also um into magic mm -hmm. and alchemy you know because this has been something that I have been really kind of orientating around over the last little season and so yeah that was like the the thing that really made me be like I want to talk about magic with Sophie <laughs> yeah. and you know how it links to all of this stuff <laughs> I feel like you've already like given a few sort of like hints in, in that direction but yeah I would love to hear about um yeah a little bit about your inner life maybe what your journey into you know doing some of this inner work um, yeah. than where it has led to if that's cool yeah yeah okay okay I feel like there's maybe two strands to explore I'm going to start with like where all the magic stuff started for me um mm -hmm. because it's like I think it's kind of I don't know interesting the reason why I started a magical practice or like a like a witchy thing was because when we were opening the cabin I just had this sense that you can't just create a like non-patriarchal manifestation without some kind of protection. And at the time we were doing like, we had our insurance sorted, we had our policies, so, you know, all of that stuff was there. And I was like, it's not gonna be enough. Like that, that kind of like everyday stuff that you just have to do, it's not enough. And I really had this strong feeling that it needed like, an extra more spiritual or magical component that was going to be like protecting the project um mm -hmm. because of the like level of assault that happens energetically and otherwise when you try and change things from the way they are like the system tries to protect itself right by eliminating any threat and I, and um so that led me to like see who was there anyone around me that understood about that stuff could get mm -hmm. I could get involved with and I found 
um, uh, some folk locally who were into it and we started like a magical practice explicitly at the start in order to have something in place that could that I didn't even know what the language was to describe mm. what I wanted it was just like it needs protecting in this way somehow I have to find out how to do that I feel like this is the right way to try and figure that out and um and I totally think that that has been massively helpful to me, my work, the settings, and that all kind of like staying on track. Um, I don't do like a lot of magic specifically on that. Like I'm not doing like big protection things or whatever, but it's just more about, I think what I've realized is it's about my own connection to that that helped me then perhaps be that protection to the project so that's probably the way that it's working out um so there's that thing and 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 then on the other side what's come along with that is my realization that how anchoring a magical practice can be when you are a change maker and your external world is very disorienting because your lived experience is not reflected back to you um at all so like for me, my magical practice, which is super regular, I have like, um, I'm like in a small circle with one other person at the moment. We meet every week. We also do like weekend immersive things or one day immersive things where we give it more time. Um, and I've been doing that now for about three years has been totally life-saving for me in navigating personal changes, you know, relational things, my creativity, figuring out what to do, dealing with blocks, dealing with confusion, I think is like where magic really comes in because if you're feeling confused and you can't quite see like what is going on, then a magical process, I like use divination. So like cards, tarot cards, oracle cards, and then also just intuited like tuning in. Um, it just helps to reveal blind spot and reveal like other aspects of what might be going on that you wouldn't get to like with your thinking mind, basically, but you can maybe feel it in your body, but you can't identify like what is going on. Um, so yeah, like it's, I mean, mega and definitely a massive part now of what I consider to be my lifestyle or my way of living, you know, um, and I do it every day, like generally speaking, unless I'm really knackered and haven't like really got into like on the brink of a burnout kind of like place. Or I normally will do like I have watercolor practice as part of my sort of spiritual magic practice. I will pull cards every day, like one card for the day and that and I have like keep like an altar kind of in my office. And that is my simple practice that I do pretty much every day. Mm. Mm, thank you so much for sharing. I absolutely love that you came to it just not really knowing but just having an instinct and you know our our intuition is so trustworthy in that sense you know um you can have this feeling oh I I need to find something out about this you know and um I think about that a lot when we're trying to do yeah big change making things and you know you don't really know how to go about things and or just life in general feels overwhelming. If I'm ever feeling like, um, oh, there's gonna be so many massive important decisions to make. I just remind myself that my intuition has never failed me before. <laughs> like some kind of nudge is gonna occur that's gonna send me in exactly the right direction. So yeah, I really love that um, it was that that you followed up and that you didn't know where to begin. And you were like, cool, I'm gonna find some people who know. And that just feels really important because so many people will want to do something, but be afraid to admit that they know jack about it, you know, and that's very, uh, that's a school wound to not be able to act on something you really want or wish for, because you're afraid to look as though you don't know what you're doing. We're so afraid to be absolute learners and absolute beginners. Um, yeah, but that is the place that everything can begin. <laughs> and, you know, now three years later, you have this like real solid um, personal practice and group practice that is like life changing. I love it. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, I too do a, a daily card and um, 
with with a new deck that I've got. I've been using Oracle cards for quite a few years. I've been very into reclaiming the word witch, um, you know, for many years now, probably like seven years since, you know, moving on to land and really connecting with the earth, feeling really able to reclaim that word um, from the kind of Christian upbringing that I was raised with. <clears throat> Um, Starhawks books helped me do that had very a lot of sort of green witchy vibe going on for many many years and um, felt that didn't feel too freaky to me and oracle cards they didn't feel too freaky to me they're just sort of like uh, um, you know sources of inspiration and you know so felt quite at home in that practice for like quite a few years um, but then over this last year, being very much more drawn towards um, like traditional witchcraft and, you know, got my first tarot deck and that felt really intense <laughs> for me. That felt like a really distinct step on, you know, and like examples when I was a kid in church, um, apparently the local occult group um would regularly wrap our church in tape like cassette tape that they like chanted on and stuff so like we'd arrive at church and the whole church would be wrapped in like, <laughs> like cassette tape and so like that is what I'm like dealing with when I'm, like, now sort of dabbling in sort of um occultic practice is like this sensation that you know this is really bad but now I'm like what the ever-loving hell was that about like who was wrapping the church like surely not the local witches <laughs> you know I mean I I actually really can't explain that but yeah it's felt very um you know it's been a really interesting over this last year that feeling of just being absolutely led towards something even though my brain is like, this is scary, but still going, I'm going to keep trusting my intuition on this. And um, yeah, just keep having the most amazing little miraculous, magical things occurring, like pulling the same card out of a 77 deck. What the heck? You can pull that for days in a row. Someone explain that to me. <laughs> like, what the yeah. hell? <laughs> you know, things like that. Yeah. that are just so confirming that this really is um, very inexplicable. Um, but there's something really essentially true about this, um, you know, and, and having to just stand down the part of your brain that is like, this is so whack, you know, and just really trusting the hearts knowing and trusting the the mystical uh, part of life. So tell me more about your magical things that have happened to you. Do you have any like really good examples of inexplicable magic unfolding as a result yeah. of your practice? I've had the same as you in terms of the repeat, like the kind of repeating patterns of cards or the same card like over and over again, day mm -hmm. after day. Um, and like you said, when that happens, you're just kind of like, wow, like, <laughs> you know, this is really an interesting experience and process. I think that the thing that I found, I think the thing that it helps me with as well is to make sense of my own experience of magic that is more spontaneous and outside of like a def like a defined magical place. Um, because you can create, right, like a container to do this stuff in, but it's like life, it's all around. Like, I guess this is like the integrity thing as well, right? Um, because when you were saying that thing about wrapping the tape around, I was like, wow, like that really doesn't feel like something that would be like congruent in how I understand this, like that, you know, um, and then that makes me always want to ask a question, which I think is so helpful in in the work we do anyway which is like why is that happening what is the underlying reason what is the underlying belief behind it do I agree with that or not like how does that feel and yeah anyway I, I think I I have quite a lot of experiences that are not very typical I don't think you know like I'll have like really intense reactions to things on an energetic level that don't really make sense in terms of what's going on I'm quite intuitive to like things that are out of alignment or 
you know, like in my work, I'm looking for where there isn't consensuality, you know, mm -hmm. when I'm helping other folk or, and I think just through doing that work over time, I've become more sensitized to it. So now I tend to pick it up really spontaneously and that's hard to explain and articulate, but I now understand it kind of more through a spiritual and magical lens. Mm -hmm. I think my belief is that like, whatever you want to call God or like divine energy or source or whatever you call it, I, I don't really have a word for it. It's more just like is, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, wants alignment. It wants integrity and alignment. And so for me, when I notice that is out of whack, it is quite a like spiritual experience because I feel like it's really coming from that place. It's not really about me. And I've had this experience in my work pretty much from the beginning of feeling like a conduit rather than the source of like what is going on in my change making work and like it very like all the stuff around consent based ed came as like a download over a very weird period of time accompanied by my own curiosity and research but that was to try and make sense in a way these things came hand in hand um and I think that if I wasn't doing a magical practice it would be very easy for me to become very confused in my work because a lot of the decisions that I make in relationships and in business like don't really make sense like they're not good business decisions or they're not like normal relational decisions they are like in conflict with that or they are controversial you know to what people think is reasonable or whatever and I feel it on such a visceral level in my body that it's almost impossible or is impossible for me to not do that. It's mm. very, very compelled and it's not coming from a mental place. It's coming from a very energetic experience. Mm. And I feel like, yeah, I don't know. I'm at a point of just being, if you resist that or you over question it and analyze it, where do you end up? Like you're going to, like I don't even know how to manage my own experience in some ways other than to make sense of it as something spiritually informed and if I do that then it enables me to get on with it and to not be freaked out or fearful about the future or what is happening for me or what is going to happen next even though I do often feel scared about those things on some levels like this feeling is stronger and it's deeper and it's more real feeling which is super weird right like why does that magical real spiritual feeling that doesn't fit anything around me feel more real than all of the material reality that is like laid out but it does so yeah so I suppose like that for me is where I'm like oh I just have to like somehow surrender to this as my lived experience this time around on the planet and and my magical practice helps me to have a context for what is invisible and what is like hard to articulate hard to explain to other people it's a space of belonging and understanding that I can access um to help me stay aligned and have integrity and be on course when everything else around me would be like no um yeah so you know it's like if you're going to de-school I'm sure you've probably done like a workshop I know ever like you know de-schooling spirituality de-schooling de these things like what is that even you could you know do one on de-schooling which do you know what I mean it's like like from what you were saying it's so important isn't it I think it's the same with like gay stuff and queer stuff or anything that has been like like held up as like oh no it's so bad just like you know god it's just so tedious isn't it to still even be in that conversation around these things but that you know it's like the legacy and the continued re reality around it causes us to have to like reconcile it mm -hmm. but if you're if you're kind of like I'm queer I'm in a gay relationship I'm like spiritual person doing work that makes no sense in the current mm -hmm. time space like how do I stay sane in that experience if I don't have some kind of anchor that helps me make sense of why I feel the way that I do and do what I do yeah. and that is what magical practice offers me that is what my spiritual connection offers me is that sense of no dude you are on the right track like you need to continue taking one step in front of the other because you are this is your life purpose you're on the right track like stick with it and forget the rest like you just have to stick with it you know yes mate Oh my god! I'm just like go go oh go! God. Like, <laughs> so so 
it's so brutal <laughs> it's true like uh, you know how do you carry on doing what your heart is telling you to do in this absolutely messed up society if you don't have some kind of relationship to to source or something greater than yourself something that is reassuring you but also giving you mechanisms to shift what you know those uh uh the energies and the tensions that come up all of the time that like I just had a very magical experience over the last month that feels very emotional to speak about because it's been really hard out um, about a month ago I started having very physical symptoms in my heart and I, I even went to the doctor because they were like slightly wearing and I just wanted to not really worry about it and I was having uh, ectopic beats where your heart just skips a beat and but with it came also just like a really tense feeling and I'm a very self-aware person so I'm feeling like I journal every damn day <laughs> I'm like I'm surrounded by witchy self-aware conscious people uh, conversations with Tim my partner every day you know very very incisive about what's going on and this I just couldn't explain had no explanation for it I had a little bit of a sense that maybe it was related to feeling a bit overexposed um, I'd had a massive amount of growth on Instagram last month a reel got like six million six million views and just loads of oh. new followers and I, I kind of felt like maybe it was just like my brain and heart were like that's cool that's not a problem you know I was mentally fine with it my heart was like oh yay more people are gonna learn about unschooling that's really cool but it was as if my nervous system was just like what are you doing <laughs> like this is not yeah. normal um, I had a sensation it might have been that, but I didn't really know because it didn't make sense. It was just not aligned. And I was like journaling the fuck out of it, uh, chatting with people, praying about it and yeah, couldn't figure it out. And then I was like, Lucy, you really need to call on all of the tools that you have. So I had a friend do a tarot reading for me. That was on the Monday. I went, I had the tarot reading and immediately something just shifted in me. I was like, oh yeah, I can feel like the, the whole tension in my chest and my heart skipping beats just ease a little bit. And then on the Tuesday, a healing friend randomly gave me a hug and then was like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> and like tapped into some energy around the back of my chest and just sort of like did some energy release around it and then driving home I was like oh yeah I can immediately feel that has also eased it so that was on a Tuesday and then on a Wednesday I had a one-to-one -one with a kind of witchy um coachy type person which was the wackiest session I've ever had in my life we ended up praying to Jesus <laughs> it was with so it. wild we were both just like what the hell but it was so potent and magic and it's that surrender you know like my brain is like where's Jesus popping out from yeah. <laughs> but you know my heart was like just surrender like try not to rationalize your way out of this and it ended up being very very magical so that was the Wednesday so Monday Tuesday Wednesday by Wednesday lunchtime no more ectopic heartbeats no more tension completely free of any strange uh physical feeling so it was like really physical as well as yeah. being generally tense completely gone and I can't even say oh it was it was this belief changed or this mm -hmm. feeling I can't even nail down what happened but just it was the difference between night and day from Sunday to Wednesday and all I can say is it's just magic <laughs> yeah yeah it, I had a um yeah I mean I totally like appreciate that you know what you've shared about your experience and the physicality of it as well it is so often shows up in the body doesn't it like yeah. this weird stuff and then like you can't get to the bottom of it it's like do I need to sleep more do I need to drink more what's the supplement like uh 
and like and when it's energetic or it's on this other level like you can't really get to it like without something a bit different you know yeah. but um, yeah I had a weird experience earlier this year um that's you've reminded me of it's like I don't know it does yeah so basically my dad died um a few months ago and um my dad had been living um on the other side of the world and we haven't been in contact for 10 years um and so I didn't know that what was happening basically um but I did know um before my dad died because another family member contacted me and let me know and it was a whole thing um but what the reason part of the reason I'm sharing it is because um in my not knowing I had gone to bed basically like a few days before it happened I just was like I have to go to bed like it was completely weird it's like in the afternoon on Friday I was just like I cannot do I'm like need to put myself into bed and I didn't get out of bed until the Monday and this corresponded I think with the period that led into my dad dying and when and then when my dad died then I had a shift on that and but then after that um had this like super intense pain like fibromyalgia I don't even know what the hell it was but it was disabling level of pain in part of my body like on my right hip and like around my back and on my lower pelvis on the right hand side and like I said it was totally disabling and it took like time for that to resolve and I'm sure that it was connected to the energetic process around all of the stored trauma from the relationship with my dad wider family relationships and so on that was then somehow released or catalyzed by my dad dying and then was just expressed in my body um and then after that the other the thing that's been super interesting and like you know is this still magical I, I guess so it's like is, is magic the things we can't see you know it's like the experience that is beyond our human sight um can't necessarily explain through like science and stuff but um since my dad died I've had the like multiple experiences now of feeling very partnered by my dad mm -hmm. in a way that like was not possible in life and that like I feel closer to my dad now than I have done for years and years and years and in a more equilibrious relationship with my dad and a much more loving relationship with my dad so like what the hell is that about you know like I've had I was driving along the other day and something happened like a sort of signy synchronicity thing and I literally just like felt so in my dad's presence and like just cried in the car for a bit but not because I was sad more just because of a sort of sense of um and I and because it's not like I'm not in an active grief about my dad you know because our relationship had I'd already grieved it 10 years ago like it's already was over so these thoughts and experiences aren't coming from a longing it's not coming from like I miss this person and I'm desperate to connect with them like that that's not what it's about but it which again it's a bit like when you get cards in a row you know it's kind of like the fact that it's playing out in this way when I have no conscious desire to be in this situation I'm not trying I'm not going to mediums being like hook me up with my dad like not at all I was ready to be like well that's the second end of an era of this whole situation and like just to release it like a viking burial like off into the sea you know I did like a grief circle about it I was like I've processed I'm done mm. and yet there's now this presence like where I'm like oh like super interesting that our relationship has just become like way more real now you're dead like what the hell I I you know and then again like you can't uh, you can't explain it but I think being open-minded and open to magicalness which is a result of like trusting mm -hmm. in these things means that now I'm like oh well if now we're in a relationship this could actually be really great because my work is starting to move into this very similar space that my dad's work was in and my dad is an organizational psychologist was a consultant for from when I was born really was really successful in in the work that they did they like did a lot of um systems changing well you know like just basically working as a consultant on organizational stuff and frankly that is also what I'm doing in my own way it's like culture change transformation organ organization systems is super similar 
And just at the point where it kind of comes closest to my dad's previous work, which I didn't really understand when I was in relationship with my dad because he didn't share that much with me about it. And I was young, you know, so I'm, I can't draw on the sharing that happened in life. But somehow I feel that at this point, it's probably going to help me, which is so strange. But, you know, I don't know, Lucy. I mean, what? where are we? But you know, when you walk out of the system, you don't realise, oh, yeah. And also, actually, like, part of what is numbed out and, and erased through school-based and traditional parenting culture that, you know, the, the whole coloniser way of, like, raising kids is also our access to these parts of ourselves. Like, spiritual self is a thing. And, and in the settings, we include it. So like when we talk about consent and we talk about self-direction, we have these five areas, which is um, intellectual, bodily, emotional, spiritual and creative. And we honour like all of that as being part of the human experience. But like out of all of that, only one is is included within traditional schooling which is intellectual and that's not even included in a intellectual way right like but the mind it's like oh it's the thinking mind it's the mind that matters and and like the repetition or the the remembering and the regurgitation of like learning like in this very like back and forward like way you know but that's just like such a fraction of human yeah. potential right I, I feel like I'm just you know everyone's different and that's cool with the magic thing yeah you know like how I do it and my experience is not going to be the same as yours it's not going to be the same as anyone else's it's like unique to me and to you and everyone else and I and I'll just show one more story of where it's been funny which was um so when I tune in and do a magic like space for another person or for myself I'll like close my eyes and then I just speak out like it's almost like a guided meditation to where we're going to do the magic in the magical space so it'll be like oh and now we're walking down. like I just I literally say what comes to my mind it's not pre-planned it's like oh we're walking down this path and we're in, oh we're now we're in a woodland and it's whatever it is and that's how I set it up and it's always like super funny like what comes up because it's kind of like pulling a card but like in your imagination yeah and I, I never normally have like um people show up into that it's my connection with source or whatever is very direct it's just me and that it's not like there's no angels there's no archetypes it's just this line mm -hmm. but I was doing for someone else and when I tuned in I was like oh who's this and it was theirs so like it was not my thing I was like this is super weird I would never normally tune in this way I don't even like get this relationship that has these people in it but like they're here for you so here we go <laughs> yeah. whoa that's full-blown psychic territory Sophie I feel like, you know, within a few months, you might be offering like psychic readings to unschoolers across the world. <laughs> <laughs> oh. um, I love hearing you talk about this because you're so damn sensible. And I feel like um, people listening to me talking about spirituality, they'll be like, man, she's such a flake. Obviously, she does all this witchy stuff. Obviously, la la la. Whereas you are like so convincing because you're just like, yeah, you know, it's just a fact. <laughs> I love it. And I, I really feel like people are gonna, maybe people who haven't considered this side of things might be really interested because, you know, you really do embody, yeah, the alchemy of and um, being very, very real and, you know, uh, attuned to the facts and the real oppressive structures that we're living under and, you know, not shying away from reality, but also um, being totally open-minded and um, with your antenna up towards, you know, divine. And so I love how you embody all of that. Um, a couple of things yeah thank you so much for sharing those stories they were really powerful um and I just wanted to pick up on one or two things that you said before you know we've been chatting for oh uh, we've been chatting for two ah oh, this has gone so fast <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness okay just quickly though because it's very related to unschooling one of the things that has been occurring for me over this last year has been really releasing the need to be good you know I was raised in the church I mentioned that and so very much spent probably the first three decades of my life believing that the main aim of my life was to be a good person 
But actually, when you're trying to be integrated, which is the work of magic, that's the work of alchemy, is becoming whole and integrating all of the parts of you. That's really the the great work. That's what we're doing uh, with this. Um, if you're on that path, you can't guarantee you're going to look like a good person all of the time. And that sprang to mind when you went to bed for three days, because you might have actually had obligations on those three days. You might have let people down. You might have disappointed people. You might have had to um, be shockingly unpresent for needs that were expected of you to fulfill. But you were like, actually, I have no choice here because this part of my life is so important. I have got to go to bed and honor this greater need of alchemy within me, you know? And, and so that's just been a really massive shift for me over this last year has been releasing that need. And um, in, with a lot of the mothers that I work with, this just comes up time and time again that they're just trying to fulfill so many roles and that there are so many like morals involved in what they're doing. Um, and it makes me feel like maybe part of the reason witches were so resented and punished was because they were working on integration and being whole rather than looking good and neat and um, even kind or fulfilling all of the roles that were expected of them. They were the ones in the village who were like, I actually can't do that or I can't comply with that, you know? <laughs> you know, and they were just absolutely committed to, you know, being the most them, the most integrated them. And it just makes me think of unschooling because to me that is really what I'm trying to hold for my children is the space that for them to be integrated you know and I can notice over the last decade the greatest sources of pain for me have been where I have felt that my children are not going to be good citizens <laughs> you know whereas now I've, I've let that go now I'm like you know they might need to not be good in order to fulfill alchemy the the alchemy requirements for themselves does that make sense? I finally released like this source of pain in my unschooling life, which is like, I, I want them to be themselves. That's the great work of unschooling. But also, can you be like a good citizen, please? <laughs> and now I'm like, just, you know, just be whole. Yeah, it's so interesting. Like, and maybe, I don't know, like, I'm not sure what I think and feel about this, you know, as in, like a lot of the I mean there's a whole history around the witchy stuff my experience of that and is that quite a lot of the accusations were a product of um like neighborhood hatefulness towards each other you blame this person someone accuses it becomes like a scapegoaty thing I, I'm not sure that it was a response to integrated ways of being I think that like it's really was like very misogynistic in the terms of kind of like oh no, that person did the thing, like a way to resolve gossip. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes like you had, if someone was accused of being a witch, um, for them to be killed, they needed like a hundred people from the town to agree they were a witch. So but that happens the all the time today as well. Okay. So exactly, but like- <laughs> You need to you get a hundred people to agree that you're an idiot. <laughs> yeah. But you know, it could, it, I, yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm cautious around saying that accused witches were somehow the, only the healers, only the integrated, only these yeah. people that were persecuted, because I'm not sure that is true to the history. Um, yeah. Although I understand why it's a story that helps us understand our experience now to a certain extent. Um, so yeah, I, I think also about the good thing, like, it depends on your definitions and understandings of these words doesn't it because if you're what is your what is it that you think is good I mean for me like more a moral and ethic way of being is really important and it feels aligned for me it feels like you know for me alignment with this spiritual aspect is like it's love it's it's about it's a loving energy and therefore like that also leads me 
in what I what feels authentic for me to do but I would say that like and Martha Beck's quite interesting on this the difference between being nice and being kind being like oh you might think it's loving to withhold information from someone because if you told them it would hurt their feelings or I would be like that is not loving at all like that is not ethical or loving at all the the ethical and loving thing to do is to trust that they can handle the truth and to share with them information so they can make informed choices so they can live in reality right but to another person that might be perceived as being mean you know and so I think this notion of what it means to be good is like subjective to your beliefs and to your context um but I think and and maybe it is part of shaking stuff off as a process right it's like if you feel like you've been influenced by a notion of morality that has led you out of authentic your own authentic expression or like to feel shit about stuff then perhaps you need a rebellious stage to then break that all off like blah, 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 I'm not even going to care about it because you have to shake it off before you can then reach this like middle point again of like oh I've got that out of my system now like what's left and then walking again like from that place if you see what I mean like yeah. maybe you can't go from like I'm being morally good to the middle. You have to do this swing thing again. Like tr- go I to think the other that's side. the, like trusting a process. Um, right, like you need a process. So like a, a little example, you know, a few years ago, I just stopped having the um, ability to cook dinner. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, nah, I can't cook dinner anymore. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell? like good mums cook healthy dinners at night time for their children but I was like mm-hmm. I I can't do it I really can't do it and I was like okay you're, you're just gonna have to trust the process something's going on and so we just kind of ate kind of rubbish for a few months you know I was just buying like package like one packet dinners and stuff like that I was like Woo telling all my friends about it um like hey there's this awesome like one packet curry in the supermarket and they were like what is Lucy doing? <laughs> but, you know, sure enough, within three months, I'd got it out of the system and then I could, and but I'd healed a part of me there that needs to needed to lay down this good mum element. And then I could, I was absolutely free to then come back and pick it up and, you know, cook great, yeah. fabulous dinners. But carry on. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm just saying I, I agree. Like, as in, I think that, if yeah where there's a need to kind of like oh god I'm having you know I'm having this feeling I'm going to do the opposite in order to to kind of find some space and then I'm going to find my way back to like what feels more like balanced in the middle like I kind of feel like that is maybe what happens um the other thing as well about going to bed like I was really lucky that my I knew that my partner was going to be able to manage that mm. or like as in in our family context it didn't create a problem oh I just have to shut my window um but had that not been the case then I wouldn't have done it dude like I don't believe that it's okay to just be like fuck it like Mm -hmm. I'm in a process I'm gonna abandon everything like you guys can all deal with the fallout and like take myself off like I wouldn't have done that I would have like figured out a way that I could like be with what was going on for me and still not like just expect my family to kind of like exist in the wake of my own life right Mm -hmm. like but I didn't have to because I was more supported at the time. There was just more people around, you know? So like, I think, yeah, like, again, it's like, I don't want to be just doing me and not taking responsibility for the impact of my behavior on other people. That doesn't mean I'm going to like be inauthentic. It just means that it's an, it's an, a dance, isn't it? Like, this is what I need and what I want this is how to what extent do I need it now to what extent can I negotiate like you know because otherwise like it's like we can't in a family live a fully independent life because we had kids we have a family and like a lot of people I think long for that they long for the freedom of full independence to be able to just be themselves and just not you know we can always be ourselves but do you know what I mean have more agency and autonomy to just fulfill like what we want to do but that is the experience of someone without a family Mm. like you know and maybe at different times in life like that is more and less accessible to us Mm. um but yeah I don't know I think I think I don't know it's you know but it's again it's like it depends on the thing right like I left a marriage I ended a marriage because it that was a 
boundary point and a, a thing that had to happen and mm. it has had like massive impact on me and my family obviously that level of change I didn't not do it because I wanted to be a good wife yeah but it's like that's an extreme situation whereby sometimes you have to do the thing that you need to do mm. a lot of the time you can negotiate ways to do it with that are more um you know like balanced or whatever yeah what you're saying I'm really loving this challenge yeah I'm really loving just the nuance of the conversation here like how circumstantial those things are um you know what comes to mind is the feeling that the the vibe with unschooling that I've always tried to live with is um to work with the idea that our needs are not mutually exclusive to begin with <laughs> you know that's the default position how you know there's a lot of needs here in the room there's a lot of needs in the family let's begin with the vibe that we can all get our needs met let's figure out a way to do that you know so so yeah that's like a really important thing and then also just trusting when you absolutely can't do the thing you know and I yeah. guess that's you know that maybe wasn't your example with going to bed for three days but was an example with your marriage um you know really trusting that there will be points in a woman's life where they feel this feeling of I cannot I, yeah. I cannot do it and actually the fallout might be really dramatic it really might be and you have to surrender to it and um, because actually I personally believe that um you know I don't even I feel like I don't even have to say I personally believe I don't have to put a caveat in there <laughs> when I'm talking with you but I think it will make itself known in the body and you'll have to stop doing it eventually but it will be out of your hands so um you know I, I do really think that yeah, the default is, okay, let's figure out. And, you know, I, I have to do that every time I bleed because for a couple of days, I really, really stop. I actually do call people up and say, I'm not going to be able to do this because I'm bleeding early and I, I'm stopping everything, um, you know. So I that's a practice for me. That's actually a spiritual practice to down my tools completely where possible. Um, but we also, yeah, do that dance every month, you know. Oh, how can we fulfill this in our family? Like, how can we make sure the needs are being met? Um, yeah, but then also trusting when it's like a hard no. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the great work requires this of me and it doesn't make sense but I have to trust this process and maybe it will only be revealed in a few years time why such a dramatic unnice thing was needed of me here totally and I think like again like along with the spiritual thing like grieving and being aware of grief like as a thing is so important in this because it's like a lot of the things that cause us to like need to not do or need to like, you know, have a boundary or something are a result of like living in this kind of takes us back full circle to where we started. It's like the world ain't good enough for humans to live healthily. Like we've set it up in such a messed up way. And, and so for example, like, you know, you hitting a place like of not wanting to do dinner anymore like to me is like an expression of grief possibly around the demand on you and like the difficulty of nuclear family life right it's like you wouldn't necessarily have to do that if we had a better design around family life that was meant that you only cooked it once a week or whatever you know but it's the relentlessness that is a product of like this stuff we're trying to change you know on a systemic level and it's like you know in that situation like you found a way to manage that for yourself but underneath it is pain isn't it underneath I think underneath it is the pain of being in that situation they're literally not being a good way around it and like this is the best I can do for now guys like fuck it you know and but like so I think I'm really like feel as though if we know like oh right now like the reason I'm doing this it's not because it's who I am it's not because this is a better more authentic expression of me or more aligned for me, this is me dealing with the grief of the fact that I'm so freaking living in this situation and I can't even do what I would want to do right now. I can't have that experience right now because of that. 
Mm. I've done as much as I can. Do you know what I mean? Like I've done, I've hit the limit of creating the life that is going to be better than, mm. <laughs> than the alternative. And now I'm at that edge and all I have is the grief around the gap, you know, mm. and like grief is super interesting like the phases and you know to oh I'm angry right now oh it's because I'm in pain it's griefing oh I'm why am I feeling down oh it's pain it's a grief thing you know you can kind of like oh what have I grief shows up with any loss anything it's not just someone dying it's like any change can trigger grief any loss any disappointment any realization of what you thought was isn't like all of that can trigger a grief experience you know that then affects our behavior it affects like what we can and can't do and um but it's not like who we are necessarily it's more like that you know the expression of the feeling yeah I'm totally with you I feel like um if there is any area that we're trying to get some clarity on a grief process is pretty much like the first place to begin you know it's you can only really get the clarity when you're sort of making room for that grief and you know possibly ideally getting on the other side of it so you can see a little bit more you know what the what the options are yeah this has been so beautiful there's so many more areas that I really am desperate to follow up with you we haven't even spoken about dreams or nothing (laughs) (laughs) massive thanks to Sophie If you want to connect with her or learn more about consent-based education, get in touch with her via her website, sophiechristophe.com. If you have got questions or reflections on this fantastic interview, let me know over on Instagram. It may well be that I do a little follow-up Q&A about all of this fabulous, mysterious stuff. Thanks for listening and see you next time.